Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 Pacific Time, uh, 7.40 Mountain Time, 8.40 Central Time, and 9.40 Eastern Time. Thrilled to have you along with us. If you ever miss these calls, you can pick them up on an application called SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcast by putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90 or Frank Lomas and Solutions, the Digitor Anti-Aging. As I said, um, and if you're listening to this as, as a podcast, if you wish to catch us live, if you dial into 712-775-8972, we would be thrilled to have you along with us. And when it prompts for that conference code, put in 910022 to join us live. Our panel does these calls to support your TR90 efforts. I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon, welcoming you to the call. I have a huge interest in health, nutrition, and exercise going back more than 40 years. And uh, I came to the TR90 program from the R90 program. While R90 was great, the TR90 program worked better for me. So um, I was just absolutely delighted and realized this is a lifestyle change. It's not something you do once and then you never do again. It's it's. Well, it can be something you do once and never do again if you follow and keep going towards um, staying healthy, active, and eating lots of fiber and staying healthy. Uh, I come to you with an education background, so I'm always looking for information to share with you that will help support that TR90 lifestyle. Once I go over that TR90 program as it is currently, I am going to share some information with you that um, kind of dovetails in with this. So that TR90 program, when you're first starting out, is your one lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein and at least three of those meals, taking your supplements 15 to 20 minutes before a meal is best. But if you're not able to do that, just take it with your meals. Um, My personal experience has been it works really well if you take it with your meals, um, only because I could not many times figure out when my meal was going to be so that I could take it 15 to 20 minutes beforehand. That's the life of a substitute teacher. You just never know. You, know, you don't know when breakfast is going to be because you might be dashing out the door. Or you don't know when lunch is going to be because two or, th- two or three problems pop up and then you have to solve those to even get to your lunch. And by the time that happens, your lunchtime might be up. Uh, after you're taking your supplements, seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. So those fruits and vegetables will give you your macronutrients. Those are your proteins, your carbs, your sugars, your fibers, um, uh, proteins, all kinds of fun things. Your micronutrients, which are your vitamins and minerals that are contained within those fruits and vegetables, um, and Realize it's the synergy of the whole fruit and vegetable that is at work here. And fiber. Fiber works in two ways, one of which is for satiety. The other thing that fiber does for you is good digestive health. And for that, guys need about 45 grams of fiber daily. Ladies, we need 32 grams of fiber daily for good digestive health. 
And with all that fiber, well, you need to get moving. So 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week. You can do it in one 30-minute chunk, two 15-minute chunks, or three 10-minute chunks, whatever seems to work into your lifestyle, and whatever exercise gets you up and moving. And if you're exercising and you're exercising heavily, well, you need to be thinking about hydration. Baseline for hydration is one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking 50 ounces of water daily. And then you'll need to increase that to offset what you're losing in body moisture. And that, and realize if you're exercising heavily, you could lose up to a quart in an hour. So they recommend stopping about every 15 minutes or so and drinking eight ounces of water to stay hydrated. Um, if you're an elite athlete, then you know about potentially adding some electrolytes to kind of offset what you're losing in dehydration, but that's for another group. Seven to nine hours of good quality sleep a night, and that, I find, for me, is really key. helps me to stay on task and stay focused on the plan, it's on the lifestyle and keeping that going forward. Your body does a series of system resets while you are sleeping. It repairs muscles and tissues. It stores memories, both muscle and mental memories. It clears out toxins. It keeps your brain um, well-focused. So I find that it is really important to get that good quality sleep. And if you're having trouble with that, go back and look at any of the calls that we had this year in August and September to talk about sleep because I did a whole series of calls about that. So with that, today's information is coming from a book that's called Eat to Live. And it was written by Joel, J-O-E-L, Furman, F-U-H-R-M-A-N, and he is an MD. And yesterday we started to go into some of the dark side of protein Well, today we're going to be talking about heart health. It's not just fat and cholesterol. Excuse me, and cholesterol. I don't know where that hiccup came from. There was also a relationship between animal protein and heart disease. For example, plasma A polyproprotein B is positively associated with animal protein intake and inversely associated with, in parentheses, lowered with vegetable protein intake, which is, for example, legumes and greens. A polypoprotein B levels correlate strongly with coronary heart disease. Unknown to many is that animal protein has a significant effect on raising cholesterol levels as as well, while plant proteins lower it. Scientific studies provide evidence that animal protein's effect on the blood cholesterol may be significant. This is one of the reasons those switching to a low-fat diet do not experience the cholesterol lowering they expect unless they also remove the low-fat animal products as well. Surprisingly, to most people, is that yes, even low-fat dairy and skinless white chicken uh, meat, 
white meat chicken raise cholesterol? I see this regularly in my practice, and that's Dr. Herman speaking there. Many individuals do not see the dramatic drop in cholesterol levels because they go all the way by cutting all the animal protein from their diets. Red meat is not the only problem. The consumption of chicken and fish is also linked to colon cancer. A large study examined the eating habits of 32,000 adults for six years when then watched the incidence of cancer for these subjects over the next six years. Those who avoided red meat but ate white meat regularly had more than a 300% increase over those who ate no white meat in the colon cancer incidence. The same study showed that eating beans, peas, or lentils at least twice a week was associated with a 50% lower risk than never eating these foods. So your uh, cholesterol content in um, for 100 grams of beef top sirloin is 90 milligrams. For a chicken breast with no skin is 85 milligrams. If you're looking for um, 100 grams, uh, the content in that um, for 100 calories, well, for beef and sirloin, it's 33 milligrams per 100 calories, and for chicken breast with no skin, it is 51 milligrams uh, of 50 milligrams of cholesterol in that 100 grams of chicken. Chicken has about the same amount of cholesterol as beef and the production of those potent cancer-causing compounds called heterocelic amines, or HCAs, is even more concentrated in grilled chicken than in beef. Another study from New Zealand that investigated heterocycline amines in meat, fish, and chicken found that the greatest contributor of HCAs to cancer risk was the chicken. Likewise, studies indicate that chicken is almost as dangerous as red meat for the heart. Regarding cholesterol, there is no advantage to eating lean white or lean red meat. The best bet for overall health is to significantly limit or eliminate all types of meat, red and white. Dr. Campbell further explains his view that the animal protein in addition to animal fats, is implicated in disease causation. And his direct quote is, I really believe that dietary protein, both the kind and the amount, is more significant as far as the cholesterol levels are concerned than is the saturated fat. Certainly, it is more significant than the dietary cholesterol. We do know that animal protein has a quick and major impact on enzymes involved in metabolism of cholesterol, whether it is the immune system, various enzyme systems, the uptake of carcinogens into the cells, or hormonal activities. Animal protein generally only causes mischief. So that was a Dr. Campbell quote. It may be impossible to extricate which comp uh, which component of animal food causes the most mischief, however. It is clear that while Americans struggle in vain to even marginally reduce the amount of fat in their diet, they still consume high levels of animal protein and very little unrefined produce. 
So cholesterol levels can be decreased by reducing both saturated fat and animal protein while eating more plant-based protein. Remember, those countries and areas of China with extremely low rates of Western diseases did not achieve them merely because their diets were low in fat. It was because their diets were rich in unrefined plant products. They were not eating fat-free cheesecake and potato chips. Never forget that the coronary artery disease and its end result, heart attacks, the number one killer of all American men and women, are almost 100% avoidable, pouring over national, nation-by-nation mortality data collected by the World Health Organization. Furman found that most of the poorer countries, which invariably consume small amounts of animal products and have less than 5% of the adult population dying of heart attacks. The China Project confirmed that <clears throat> there was virtually no heart attacks in the populations that consume a lifelong near-vegetarian diet and almost no heart attacks in the populations consuming a diet that was rich in natural plant foods and receives less than 10% of its calories from animal products and from animal foods. My observation of the worldwide data, supported by studies of the American vegetarians and non-vegetarians, these studies show that the major risk factors associated with heart disease, smoking, Physical inactivity, eating processed food, animal product consumption are avoidable. Every heart attack death is even more of a tragedy because it likely could have been prevented. I think I'm going to stop there. Um, on Monday, I'll be uh, starting with understanding the conflicting and confusing cancer studies to remind you that it is important to get those plant foods um, into your diet. At the top of the hour, if you scoot over to Facebook, One Team Global Live, one of our leaders will be sharing some information on how to build a new skin business and what all has been happening in the new skin world. I know they just released the new body spa here in the U.S., so that um, might be something that might be kind of fun for you or of interest. As... I take us off mute. Feel free to share your thoughts or comments. I'm thrilled to have you along with us today and hope to see you back here on Monday. And this is Susan Mann from Portland, Oregon on December 15th, 2023, signing out. And I wish you a fabulous day. So there we have it, my friends, why it is important to eat those plants really important, and to limit some of those animal proteins. And as always, thank you to both Frank and Brian, who are our technical wizards and who keep us, make sure that we're actually on the calls and recording. So it's, I don't know what we would do without either of those gentlemen, and we are truly blessed to have them. With that, I am going to let us go. Hope you have a great weekend. And enjoy some family time and get some exercise with the family. It's always great to to be out in the open air and breathing fresh air.